Hey, good to be with you. We're thankful that you've uh, tuned in to be with us. Pray we're a blessing to you. We're uh, in a series, Hear, Go, and Do, from James 1.22. Don't be hearers only, but become doers of the word. And remember, he later on says doers are blessed. Uh, we all begin with hearing, and then we switch to doing. Today, uh, in our series, we're handling Hear, Go, and Do. We're handling the big five, what we call the big five, and it is worship and fellowship and discipleship, evangelism and ministry. And today we're handling ministry. And remember, we put discipleship in the middle when we stack it so that when you do discipleship, you're gonna be doing uh, worship and fellowship and then you're also going to be doing evangelism and ministry. If you focus on discipleship, the other four will naturally occur. So today we're handling ministry. Going to give you a verse that Paul wrote to his son in the ministry. His name was Timothy. And I want to share it with you today and challenge you with it. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today so plain a child will understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit and your word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And then Lord, you look at all of us today. Uh, there are people watching and listening. You see us, you, you see all of us. But Lord, I'm under a greater and a more strict judgment because I'm a teacher and a preacher. And I know that and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, his name that I preach, amen. When uh, we get to talking about ministry, uh, we break it down to serving. If you want to get into the, the language in the Old Testament, uh, when it talks about ministry and serving, it, it's basically somebody who is uh, waiting on somebody else, caring for them in that way. In the New Testament, it has the picture of serving. It has the picture of providing care, uh, serving someone, pride and care. The picture that it gives is uh, you uh, you go through the dust, which would be their culture, their area where they lived, uh, and being barren area and dusty area. You uh, you're willing to get your feet dirty is one explanation of it. You're willing to go through the dust, whatever it takes. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to serve you. So uh, I'm going to be looking in the New Testament today, basically, with the word serve. It comes from a Greek word, diakonia, and uh, we get the word diakonos is uh, more of a minister or one who serves, and we get the word deacon from that, uh, and it, not the permission-giving body of deacons. Not Some people have a polity that deacons are more of a... Uh, permission given body. It's just a step you go to from a committee to the deacons to the business meeting. Uh, we're not talking about that structure at all. The word deacon means serve. So I want you to get, I want you to get uh, the permission given body out of your mind. Uh, I don't want to be a part of your thought because it'll mess every bit of this up. A, a true deacon in a New Testament church is somebody who serves, who waits on, who cares for, who's willing to work and get their feet dirty. So when it comes to serving, if we could just break ministry down to serving, 
<clears throat> I want to give you four areas. One is there is uh, we serve by discipling others. You'll see that in some of the scriptures today. We uh, serve by exercising the gifts that God has given us. Not, not a talent that you may have, but a gift that the Holy Spirit gave you. Uh, when you first believed, uh, the gifts that he's given you that are used to build up and edify the church, strengthen the church. <clears throat> another way that you serve is the proclamation of the word, of the gospel. And another way that you serve is just through charitable service, uh, for you give care uh, to other people or just to another person. You're being able to do that. So 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 2 through 5 I want to take a moment and read it to you, and then we're going to break it down through these verses for a moment. It says, proclaim the message, which I told you that's one of the ways of serving, is proclaim the gospel. Persist in it, whether convenient or not. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, Timothy, be serious about everything, be sober, endure your hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I wanna look at verse two for a moment. Proclaim the message. Be persistent in doing this. And be persistent in discipling, whatever. It's under a picture of discipling. And I want you to see that verse, proclaim the message, persist in it, whether convenient or not. Listen, uh, you have got to focus on being a doer. We all begin with hearing, we move to do. You gotta focus on it. You've got to adjust your day. You've got to rearrange your order. Yes, jobs, kids, Supper time, get them ready for school, get things ready for the next day at work, wash some clothes, clean the floor, take out the trash. I get it. I absolutely get it. I understand it completely. If you want to know a life where there's nothing but total adjustment, come into the life of a preacher. It's total adjustment every day, every week. Uh, we've got things to do. We have to adjust it. And you're going, well, you're a preacher at your full-time vocation. It really has nothing to do with that. We are all having to adjust. If we're gonna do the kingdom of God, it won't be convenient for you. You're going to have to work it into your day intentionally. Uh, it, it's, it says we are <clears throat> to rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. Look at the word patience, please. Part of discipling is being patient. We've gotta do this so we disciple others. You can see how Serving is wrapped up even in verse two. Verse three says that we become selfish for there, there will, the, the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine or truth uh, from God's word, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. We become selfish. We're looking for something new. We're looking for a new word. My response to that is, you need to be doing the old word uh, before we even get to thinking about God, give me a new word. Uh, we probably are looking for something easier when we say that. Uh, we've got to do what he's already mandated us to do, not some set of new marching orders. 
and they get to the point where evidently uh, there are places of power where they can bring in their own teachers. Uh, I want to remind you that these teachers that they're getting are not God-sent teachers. They're not God-called teachers. Uh, you're going to find in Ephesians 4, and I'm going to have to say this about my own tribe. We're going to get there in a moment. Verse 11, it says, And he personally gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers to train up the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the church. And I'm going to talk about me and, and my, my colleagues, okay? Uh, it says that he gave some. We're, we're, we're gifts. God gives you the gift of these apostles and prophets and evangelists and preachers and pastors and teachers. Uh, they're sent by him. And here in verse 3, they are finding their own. Uh, and uh, give them a, they want to hear something new, something that possibly doesn't have as much obedience to it, something that doesn't have as much sacrifice and even suffering to it. And we'll handle that in just a moment as well. So uh, just notice that they created their own. They're not God's sent. Uh, verse four, it says, they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Uh, they, uh, they are removing themselves from, or anybody else. They're either turning away from the truth or they're removing the truth teller because we saw that in verse three. They're doing that. Uh, and the picture is here, they were once in the truth. I'll let you uh, reckon that on your own. Uh, they will turn away from hearing the truth, which means they have been a participant of the truth. They don't like what happens in the truth, the adjustments we all have to make, which has to do with hear, go, and do, our series. We all begin by hearing, and sometimes that's where we stop. We just, we're not to stay hearers, we're to transition into doers, and this seems to be the place where these people are. They, uh, they don't wanna hear the truth anymore, they want something else. <clears throat> and it says in verse four, they are turning to myths. I wanna handle the word myth for a moment. Uh, I remember I had to read mythology in English class in uh, in college. <clears throat> I actually loved it, not that I believed it, but it was it has beautiful stories to it. But myth, a myth is a it are the words of man, the accounts of man, and it's it's basically what is not true. It's also what is not historical. In other words, it, it hasn't passed the test of time. It also lacks reality. This came from a professor by the name of George Knight. And uh, uh, the myth, uh, in the in the myth, you're going to be able. You may say, if it lacks reality, you may come up with this phrase. Well, where did this come from? I mean, you pick a topic that's around us right now. You pick a topic, whatever you want to pick. It's just flying the rhetoric that is around us right now. I'll let you pick it. Have you, have, you, have you seen how our world is reacting to it or absolutely applauding it? And have you ever said, where in the world did this come from? I made a statement this week to a dear friend and I'm going, can you believe, can you believe some of the things that are going on? I remember my dad before he died in 1990, May of 1990, just right before 
right after Laura was born. My, 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 my daughter Laura was born on a Saturday. My dad died on a Friday, <clears throat> the next Friday. And uh, uh, one of the last things my dad said to me, I was in seminary at the time, and uh, he looked at me and he said, son, you get an education. Uh, he said, you go as far as you can in your education. He said, you're going to see things that I never even thought of. I want you to be ready. And I, I, man, I'm seeing that just, just coming to truth today. Just pick a topic. You're going, well, where in the world did this come from? There are people who are living in, in a myth. They're lacking reality about some of the things that are going on. And uh, the, the, uh, this teaching can come from man. What you and I have to do in our discipleship is take what's flying around us and bring it back to the Word of God because the Word of God is a standard. It will last longer than this world. Uh, this world has a death sentence on it. His Word does not. It, it will endure forever. This is the way it is. He's given us the way that he judges. He's given us what he judges. He's given us how he judges. That's the way it's going to be. And uh, we want to recreate that, which can be a myth. And if we're not careful, it says uh, they, uh, they turned away from the truth in verse 4, and they turned, they turned back toward a myth. It just lacks absolute, absolute uh, reality. So this turning away has a picture to it, uh, talking about the first one, not the one where they turned the mess, but the one where they turned away from hearing the truth. And it is a medical term, which means you have a limb that's out of joint. That's out of joint. I remember Tony Finau playing the par three course, uh, which is traditional before the masters is played. And he was, he, was, he was playing the par three course and uh, he was walking along and I think it was a downhill slope and he got to kind of jogging a little bit and he twisted his ankle, well it looked like a twist, and it absolutely dislocated his foot, his ankle. And he was able to pop it right back in place and then he went ahead and, and finished and finished playing and went ahead and even played in the tournament, the Masters. Uh, he's a, but man, when he popped that out of place, just obviously it's disjointed, but man, it was, it was, it just make you cringe. And the, the picture here is that you're in the truth and you don't like the truth. And so then you disengage from the truth. And the picture is, uh, when you do that, you're looking like a limb that has been moved out of socket. I've never had that happen. Thank the Lord. I've never had that happen. Some of you all have had, had that happen. And the, the, picture that, the picture that Paul has given to Timothy is when you're in the truth and you turn from it, you look like a limb that's been out, that's out of socket. Uh, then you end up turning yourself to miss where they lack reality that created by man. I hope you get to see the, the picture of that. Uh, you're moving from the truth. And when you do that, you look just, you look disjointed. You're going to, let me say it this way, you're going to be incredibly disconnected. And I hear that so many times, like it's my job as a pastor to connect you. 
I hear that all the time. You know, I have this, I don't feel connected. You might feel disconnected because you're not connected to the truth. Uh, I get that clearly from verse four in scripture. Stay connected, we'll get there in just a moment. But verse five is the great discipleship passage. But as for you, be serious about everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. It gives us four things here. Number one, uh, you keep a clear head. Don't lose your temper. Be sober about everything. When uh, the picture here is that if, you, uh, if you're not focusing on what you need to focus on, you will become spiritually drunk, uh, meaning it's spiritual darkness. You're gonna react uh, in a way that is not becoming of our Lord. Self-control is the picture here. Secondly, in ministry, he said endure hardships. Now we're not talking about tough times in life. We're talking about the hardships of being in, in ministry. You doing your ministry, tough times, not convenient, right? Doesn't always seem to fall into place. Uh, there's work and focus and readjustment. There's a second, third, and fourth attempt. You've got to keep plugging and be persistent at that. Endure hardships that comes with serving is the context. Not just the hardships of life, but in serving. Uh, it's everywhere. Hardships are e literally everywhere. Uh, in uh, preaching, preaching that it isn't is a myth. It's absolutely a myth. We desire an easy path. We will work our lives for an easy path when the truth is we have to endure these things and we do it with strength that only God can give us. Fourth, do the work of an evangelist. Be about the gospel. Be around the gospel. Fund the gospel. Teach the gospel. Invite people to just come hear the gospel message. Insert, insert the gospel into your own personal conversations, make them spiritual conversations. And then lastly, fulfill your ministry. What has God put you here to do? What has he gifted you to do? Uh, I want you to see in Ephesians 4, 11 and 16, I don't create that for you, uh, but I'm gonna just be focused on, on verses 11 and 12, uh, even though you can read the entirety of that passage. He, he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. For the training of the saints, that's you, to the work of ministry, that's you, to do what? To build up the body, to build up the body of Christ. It's my goal to equip you to do a ministry that he's gifted you for. Not create the ministry, ask you to join it, and not create the ministry for you, but to equip you. Guys, that's not been in our culture. That's not been the way we've thought or raised, but is the way scripture depicts it to be. I'm here to help you do what God has made you to do and uh, to show you how to be able to do that. In Romans 12, 11 is where I want to leave you today. Uh, Paul wrote this. He said, do not lack diligence, be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Uh, don't lack diligence means don't be lazy. You got to work at it. Remember, we go back earlier where Paul wrote to Timothy, it's not going to be convenient for you. Uh, we have so much uh, craving our attention today, and you have got to pay attention to what God has called us to do. Not half-hearted, and remember 
where, where it won't be convenient. You can't just give it half of yourself. You've got to be able to give everything. It says, uh, be fervent in the spirit. I love this phrase. It means be on fire. Be excited about it. Your, uh, your spirit is boiling is the picture here. You're, 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 you're burning, you're on fire. And then it says, serve the Lord. Look for the opportunity, engage in that opportunity. And what we often tell you is God sends you to that. And listen, we're dealing with ministry today. Uh, the world is going to compete with you on that. And God gives you, it could be that you're fixing something for somebody else to eat. That's ministry, guys. Uh, a note of encouragement, that's ministry, you all. Just go pray with somebody. I get a, I get a, uh, I get something from a pastor. I help, I helped his family. And Donnie sends me a text every so often. Man, you're on my mind. I can't thank you enough for what you did for my family. And, and uh, which it was a blessing to be able to do that. Barely knew him when I was doing ministry with him. And God, God has blessed them in such a tremendous way. Who knows how he's asking you to bless somebody else. Quit always thinking in the masses. That becomes our problem. How big's my Bible study? How big is my worship service? How big of a small group can I have? Quit thinking only on how do I collect a mass. Think about how God's called you to minister to even just one other individual or maybe one other family and then move in that direction. Remember, we hear, but then we go and do. We become doers in that. So as the Old Testament says, serve the Lord with gladness. Okay, you do this. Good to be with you. I hope this was a challenge for you. I love you. Remember what we always say, grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them. God bless.